Welcome to a brand new episode of Tips with Salsa. I'm Ben Lyon with Salsa Labs, and thanks for joining us today. We have what we think is another unique conversation lined up for today's episode. Our team here at Salsa sat down for a conversation with Beth Cantor and Allison Fine, uh, two experts in topics near and dear to us at Salsa Labs, nonprofits and technology. Of particular interest on today's episode, how artificial intelligence and machine learning can improve outcomes for nonprofits everywhere. Let me welcome Wendy Levine and Craig Grello, both of Salsa fame, back to the show. Wendy, uh, this is hand in glove with Smart Engagement, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. We were so excited to talk to Beth Cantor and Allison Fine. They are real experts in technology, in the technology space uh, with nonprofits. And right now they're studying how artificial intelligence can be used and will be effective for nonprofit organizations in the nonprofit community. And that's very much what we're talking about here at Salsa a lot of the time also, how artificial intelligence and machine learning and predictive analytics can all make uh, lives easier for folks that run nonprofits and work at nonprofits. So it was really exciting to talk to them. And I think most of our listeners have probably met at one time or another, Beth and Allison at the different conferences that they've keynoted, or maybe they've picked up on one of their books, which is required reading as far as I'm concerned in the nonprofit world. Uh, and the study that Wendy mentions was funded by this really small, obscure foundation called the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, but that's exactly where we pick up in our podcast. Uh, we're taking a deep dive into artificial intelligence and Beth and Allison really kind of explain what that means and how nonprofits can take advantage of it. Well, this is great. I'm excited to hear what they had to say. So uh, rather than keep everybody waiting, uh, let's listen in. Today, we are going to be discussing the next frontier in nonprofit engagement, artificial intelligence. What is it and why should nonprofits care? Joining us today to help us explore those questions are Beth Cantor and Allison Fine. Uh, if you're in the nonprofit world, you'll likely know these two. Yes, uh, thank you, Wendy. Beth Cantor is a trainer, facilitator, author, and an internationally recognized thought leader in digital transformation and well being in the nonprofit workplace. Named one of the most influential women in technology by Fast Company. She has over three decades of experience in designing and delivering training and capacity building programs for nonprofits and foundations. As a sought after keynote speaker and workshop leader, she has presented at nonprofit conferences on every inhabited continent of the world to thousands of nonprofits. Uh, her website's www.bethcantor.org. And Allison Fine is among the nation's preeminent thinkers and strategists for using technology for social good. She has written and co-authored three books on the subject, including The Network Nonprofit with Beth. They recently co-authored Unlocking Generosity with Artificial Intelligence, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and released in August 2020. Uh, I encourage everyone to check out that book. Uh, Beth and Allison, welcome. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for having us. We are so happy to have you with us here today. Um, Beth, first question. Uh, not all of us know exactly what artificial intelligence is, and there's confusion around artificial intelligence versus predictive analytics and machine learning. Um, it, we are talking about artificial intelligence today. Would you give our listeners a quick definition and description of what AI is? Um, I can give it to you in one word. Netflix. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> if, you've bought, if you've watched something on Netflix, and we all have watched a lot on Netflix uh, lately, or bought something on Amazon, we've probably just 
we've all bought stuff on Amazon too. Um, artificial intelligence is under the hood there. It is basically a combination of, we like to say four things, uh, strategic intent, <laughs> data, lots of it, uh, Library of Congress size data, um, algorithms, which are uh, basically mathematical equations that sweep through uh, the data and provide back either decisions or automated tasks. And then finally, uh, the tools. Um, and those tools are pretty simple. Um, you know, computing power, cameras, um, smart speakers, a whole host of tools around that. So it's um, a combination of those things. So you've named a couple different types of things that you're defining as AI. So I guess the next question is, and maybe Allison, you could take this one. What are maybe one or two areas where AI can have the biggest impact specifically for nonprofits? Uh, so you're just right, Craig, in that AI is a very large field. It's not new. It's about 60 years old that these tools have, uh, are being developed. What is new right now is that the computing power has gone way up and the cost has gone way down so that every organization can now um, purchase and, and participate in using AI, whereas before only the largest organizations, the Microsofts, and as Beth was saying, Amazon, uh, could do that. Within that large field of AI, machine learning and um, chatbots, we think, are the places that have the most immediate impact for nonprofits. Machine learning is taking enormous um, amounts of data and looking for patterns within it. And what makes AI different from any other technology is that it's learning about those patterns over time as well. That's what makes it, quote, smart, not as smart as human beings, but smart. Uh, and then the, the, um, the user interface of a technology like chatbots that we're engaging with every day give us the sense that there is a human-like presence that is again powered um, by the algorithms that can take the place of staff, take off, uh, you know, take over a rote task or rote tasks and alleviate staff from having to do the same things over and over again. It used to be a couple years ago, just to follow up on the chatbot side of things, you would very rarely see them on websites. And now they seem to be all over the place. And I think maybe that speaks a little bit to the the cost effectiveness of technology. Uh, everything from help desks, support channels, even routing um, calendars and things like that uh, seem like a really effective use for a lot of nonprofits that can maybe use that um, to save themselves on some, some staff time. So about three years ago, Facebook opened up the messenger um, application to using chatbots that anybody, any organization could just grab uh, and use. It does raise a really interesting ethical question, Craig, and that is, is an organization obliged to tell the end user when they're interacting with a robot and not a human being? And, you know, it also brings up another thing, too, um, that Alice and I are fond of talking about. Um, 
you know, it, 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 what Facebook did for uh, chatbots is that they democratized the, te the technology. They eliminated the need to have a very sophisticated technical person actually write that program code. So that meant that everybody, you know, had access to it, which is great. But if we have easy access to a technology that raises so many ethical questions and so many uh, human-centered questions, is that, you know, with is it a good thing that they have access without like thinking about what the implications are? I mean, we've already seen what has happened with social networks. So Beth, AI, as, as uh, Allison said, has been around for a long time, but we're talking about the fact that now it's much more accessible and readily available to businesses, the general public. Is artificial intelligence something that uh, a smaller or mid-sized nonprofit could actually utilize? Are there tools that use uh, machine learning or AI that makes sense for a smaller nonprofit? Um, the answer is yes and <laughs> more <laughs> and more. Um, it's coming. And I think um, for the smaller uh, nonprofits, they're going to have access to these sophisticated tools through um, through the platforms that are out there. We mentioned Facebook, but um, a lot of the fundraising platforms do uh, uh, deploy algorithms. Um, there's also, um, you know, we mentioned chatbots as well. So, um, so it's not, I don't think, um, something that's going to be, that's, that's, oh, we don't need to pay attention to this because it's only for organizations that have a lot of resources. More and more, uh, artificial intelligence and the use of data is going to be uh, embedded in a lot of the tools that nonprofits have access to, no matter their budget size. So they need to become really, you know, smart consumers and be able to like crack open that box and be able to ask all of those questions about, you know, how is this algorithm? <laughs> uh, how does this algorithm work? And, it, you know, and be able to understand whether there's bias inherent in, you know, in it. I'm thinking about like, for example, um, as we think about democratization of um, different platforms, you know, um, you know, maybe there are some where uh, it's where, where you can use it to get, uh, to get people to apply for jobs, right? And that might use a certain algorithm to only show you certain types of applications or resumes that you might want to hire. It behooves you to understand, well, what is, why is the algorithm showing me these particular um, you know, resumes to interview? Um, is that replicating a bias that already exists in our organization? So, um, so the tools are going to become more available and we just have to get a lot smarter, not necessarily more technically smarter, but I think more ethically um, smarter and really understanding what the impact is. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, those are questions we're actually having at Salsa right now because we're implementing um, some functionality that's based in machine learning to help the system make decisions about the best time to send an email about how much um you know what dollar amount to ask someone for based on all kinds of data that we have about those people and there are yeah discussions about how how much of that information do we share how do we explain it um what do we explain to our users um and that's those are important conversations i think to be having for sure it's it's interesting what you said about democratization of technology, which I think is, you go back a couple of years in the world of advocacy and you see a, a petition for an issue-based group or, or a specific issue. And that plays out in person on doorsteps, which means generally speaking, unless you've got this big organizing campaign that's nationwide, it's, it's a small thing, uh, maybe localized. 
But now you've got all these platforms that can do things like online petitions, which of course have been around for a few years now, but um, it really opens it up both to large organizations with, with budgets and to the smaller organizations, which um, you know, are, are advocating around those same issues, but maybe don't have that same kind of budget to play with, but it still makes it effective and available to them at the local levels. Um, I just think that's, and, and maybe we'll see more of that, uh, more of the technology, like you said, that was restricted to the bigger organizations open up to some of the smaller ones. Yeah, that is the hope, the ultimate hope of using AI for good is that it can level the playing field for smaller organizations to have the capacity um, for research, for prospecting, for um, uh, being able to engage with lots and lots of people in, in very personal ways that only large organizations uh, have had uh, to date. The big question, Craig, the literally $64,000 question is, if you automate rote tasks for an organization, uh, what do you do with the extra time? We call this the AI dividend that our friend Steve McLaughlin at BlackBot um, shared that um, phrase with us. Uh, we hope that the dividend of extra time can be used to pivot from being transactional and fundraising to being relational. This is why, Wendy, when you were saying these are conversations you're having internally, exactly why we need organizations to be very strategic and very thoughtful about the use of AI to ensure that they get the dividend. Well, this is the whole question between, you know, hey, some people think of AI, they're the big bad robots who are going to take over jobs and things like that. But, uh, you know, what you're talking about is something different, something more purposeful. Absolutely. And, um, and, and being human centered is really, really important. Um, you know, what asking the question, what makes sense to automate? We're not going to automate everything. Um, you know, it's like the old shiny object syndrome, you know, if the, if the you know, if the solution to <laughs> the problem is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, to, and to say in terms of AI, it's like, you know, that if every, if AI is the solution, everything is a computational challenge. It's not. And there's some things we shouldn't automate. Um, and I think a really great example of this is the, um, the Trevor organization, which you may be familiar with, uh, this nonprofit, it, uh, they're a crisis, um, a, a crisis hotline for youth, LBGTQ youth who are in crisis, um, to suicide prevention, all those kinds of things that people are calling on the hotline. They, they don't want to get a bot. <laughs> they don't want to replace the counselors on the hotline with bots. And, and that would be against their organizational values because their value is to, or their, or their uh, values are to provide this human-centered service to save a life, all right? So, but they are using AI, um, so how? <laughs> and and this, this probably went through lots and lots and lots of discussions internally and with stakeholders. And so the use of AI that they use is to help train those counselors based on the data they've gotten from all the calls to come up and develop a script um, a bot that can train those counselors, but that is also as responsive as a human um, would be. And, and what that does is it saves them hours and hours and hours of um, staff time and training. And then they're able to train more counselors because then they're able to answer more calls by troubled youth, which are increasing and they just don't have the capacity. So, so that was a long-winded way of saying that organizations really need to have this whole process and discussion about, like, you know, about how do we remain human-centered? How do we 
do that. <laughs> That's that dividend you're talking about where, uh, hey, we've saved this time. So rather than take the extra dollar on the back end, we can go and train more people and, you know, be or do more good. Right. But what is it that what specifically in our delivery um, do we automate and what do we not touch? I wanted to ask, um, you both wrote what is, in my opinion, one of the must-read books for nonprofit professionals. No, excuse me. It is the must-read book. <laughs> That's, so the, the absolute... If you're going to have us on your podcast, you got to get it right. The, the absolute, no questions asked must read book for nonprofit professionals. And that's the network nonprofit. So I'm wondering, maybe you could talk a little bit um, about how artificial intelligence fits into the discussion of staying connected and staying engaged. And uh, has it changed at all from from when that book was published? I feel that book is uh, amazingly relevant just as much now as it was when it was first published. Um, But maybe you could chat about that. We were just talking the other day, Craig, about how relevant it is to think about being a network nonprofit post-COVID when organizations are going to be uh, hybrid, both online and on land. And that is something that we've been thinking about and writing about for over 10 years now. How do you get um, the best out of the scale and efficiency of being online with the best of uh, personal interactions? And It is exactly the same reason why AI interests us so much. It is, again, about how do we get the best out of the technology and the best out of human beings together. Um, The short, you know, cute phrase for it is cobots. Um, But it is exactly the same idea of how do we stay human-centered, use the most advanced technology we have right now to enable our organizations to be deeply relational and deeply effective in their mission-driven work. So two years from now, you're going to be saying, you once again wrote the go-to <laughs> book for nonprofit. Smart nonprofit comes out in the we're, we're working on a book right now, <laughs> um, which we hope will be <laughs> um, called The Smart Nonprofit. Um, the human-centered approach to uh, artificial intelligence for social good, where we, we're taking this work that we've been doing for the last couple of years, this writing and presenting and researching, and um, we are going to write what we hope will become a useful um, a, a guidebook, a playbook for or- nonprofits, both small and large, to navigate this world, this automated world, um, and trying to retain our human-centeredness. Yeah. Yeah, what's very important to us in all of our work, and we we call this the the being to the doing um, continuum, we really want people to think deeply about what does this mean to us that we can be connected in these various ways that we can use the most powerful technology human beings have ever had that will make decisions for us. What do we have to be in that moment in time? Uh, What do we have to value? Who do we have to value? Uh, What is most important to us in our work before we turn to just pushing buttons, which is what people jump to naturally in using um, digital tech? I really like the the idea of the human-centered approach. And it, it sounds so simple, but I bet it's hard for organizations because, you know, with, like you said before, with the tools that make 
just pushing out a message so easy, it feels like there's so much noise out there, you just can't do that anymore. And the organizations that are human-centered, that are purposeful, and that do take time to have real human conversations are the ones that are actually getting the engagement. Yeah, and that's just about right, Craig. And I, and we make a big point in the book and, and also um, in, in the speaking and the research we've been doing is that I think there's a new muscle uh, that nonprofits need to develop. And, uh, and this is with all of the uh, techniques that are called human-centered design or design thinking. And this is how uh, nonprofits can be human-centered. So involving the end users, whether that's staff or whether it's the donor or whether it's the recipient of someone in your program in those early design conversations and, and testing. Um, Allison and I like to say that, um, you know, the way that we're going to move towards embracing artificial intelligence is we're going to inch our way to it. We're going to have experiments. We're going to have feedback. We're going to develop those feedback loops. And I think that's also another way of being human-centered is that listening and testing and kind of adapting uh, as you go. So as we move forward and we're getting nonprofits excited about artificial intelligence and what it might mean for them, um, where do you see artificial intelligence going in terms of um, as how it relates to the nonprofit community? What might they expect in the future, five or 10 years from now, um, and what they might be doing with, with some of these tools? I'd say the first thing, Wendy, is that AI is going to be inside of every aspect of organizational life. It's not going to be in one department or one program area. AI is going to be integrated in back office and in programs and in fundraising and in comms. So threaded throughout the organization is this invisible uh, force of artificial intelligence. The tools are going to continue to get more powerful and more inexpensive. And um, our fear, though, is that commercial applications will become the norm and nonprofits will lose control of their data exactly in the same way we just did with social media. And we know how that ended up. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I think, maybe a, a good segue into one of the things, I guess, the dangers or not, maybe not necessarily the dangers, but the concerns. So, you know, what are the concerns that you're hearing as you're doing this research, as you're doing this work, as you're uh, discussing this with, with big groups like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and even some of the smaller nonprofits that you work with, what concerns do you hear from them? And we talked a little bit about privacy, and I think that's an obvious one, but are there, are there some other concerns that you hear on a regular basis? Well, one concern that we heard or idea that concerned us, one thing we heard that concerned us, <laughs> as opposed to people hearing people's concerns was um, reports, oh, great, this AI stuff and fundraising is going to make the development office so efficient, we can lay off most of the staff. Well, Spoiler alert, <laughs> the database algorithm bot isn't going to take the donor out to lunch or call them up or write those thank you notes, um, handwritten thank you notes, or maybe that'll happen at some point. But this idea that we're going to be so efficient that, uh, that we can reduce our staff, I, I, I think is a misconception in the nonprofit sector, and it concerned us. We have also, and Allison can really talk about this one, we have seen some develop initial early prototypes and, and, and uses in delivering social services. I know there's an example that you'd love to talk about, Allison. 
So we're seeing, and this is largely coming from local government efforts, um, that AI is replacing the initial screening that um, social workers used to do. However, the systems that are doing the screening for food systems or housing assistance use historic data that is um, often largely racist and gendered. So you're using past bad data to make future predictions of who's eligible for services. Um, and, and because it's automated, no human beings are really looking at what's happening uh, in these interactions. So, you know, it is enormously uh, frightening to think that we're going to pay forward um, systemic racism uh, in social services in, in some ways. I would also say that because we don't see it, because AI is largely invisible, people are not going to be paying enough attention to what is actually embedded in the code and how is it actually working. It feels like magic fairy dust. We just put it in there. We set it, we let it go, and you need to pay more attention to this than anything you've ever implemented and instituted before. Get, get yourself educated and then ask more questions. I, I recently did a uh, training in uh, implicit bias, and it was shocking when you think about it. And, and I think what you said, Allison, about uh, paying forward some of these things which on the surface may not seem that bad, but may have um, been rooted in that, in, in some bias that, and it really does take a, a bunch of, not one human, but a team to look at those things and make sure that, that they're good and not paying forward those things that, that shouldn't be paid forward in code or, or automated. That's um, exactly right. And you have to care enough, Craig, to put the work into pulling out all of the racist uh, assumptions built into these old databases, right? That third parties are grabbing and buying enormous sets of data to run these AI systems that are built on really bad stuff. And we need to get very, very intentional about how these systems are built and what our obligation is to be anti-racist in rooting it out. Uh, we... Beth, this one's for you. You're you're an expert in workplace and personal well-being, and I I feel like where we are now in the world uh, that couldn't be more important. At the same time, it feels like a world away from the conversation we're having about artificial intelligence. But maybe you could comment on that. Um, um sure. <laughs> I often get asked this question that you know. Where, where, where's the uh, Venn diagram about where they overlapped? Um, so, and I think the where it, where they overlap is when we think about that uh, AI dividend as being just efficiency, which means wow, we can get more done. That means we can even get more done if we overwork. <laughs> um, we can get like as much done in eight hours as we can. Uh, that it doubles on the amount of work we can do in eight hours. So why don't we double the work to 16 <laughs> hours <laughs> and get 32 hours? And when does it stop? And I think that nonprofit workplaces, I mean, workplaces in general are killing us. We're killing each other uh, for a paycheck. And when the emphasis comes just on that productivity and just on the return on investment, and those things are important. Yes, yes, they're important. Um, uh, but we also have to be human centered in that humans were designed to be 
working 20 hours a day. And if we don't see, if we think of this, uh, using this technology as only increasing these efficiency benefits and allowing us more nonprofits to just overwork and burn out, that's not going to do the sector any good either. So that's one aspect of being like really human centered. The other thing is more of a high level, higher policy issue, I think, in that um, the, the, that these tools, we could have the kind of, uh, those people who are managed by algorithms and the people who are, are managing the algorithms, right? Um, and that comes with, uh, people who, like, for example, people who work for DoorDash or Uber, they are managed by the algorithms and there's a, a smaller set of people who are managing those algorithms. Well, which group is getting paid better? <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> which right. group gets benefits right. and probably you know. the group managing um, the algorithms, so, right? Right. So that's going to put more people who it's an equality issue. Um, you know, it's an equity issue. It's going to put more people in low-paying jobs without a way to rise up um, and, and to surpass that. So that's just a, at, a, at a policy kind of um, civil society level a thing to think about in terms of well-being. So, I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of stuff. I probably could um, go on and on. I mean, one in the future thing is also a human rights issue around the robots. Are we going to overwork the robots? Do robots get human rights? I mean, that's like 40 years down the road. <laughs> um, but there's lots of ways that I think um, well-being and artificial intelligence really intersect. And at its core, it's about um, being human-centered and retaining that. Wow. This has been great. Um, we have one last question for you, um, kind of on a different note. Um, I was wondering, um, Beth, if you could tell us what your favorite cause is right now or your favorite nonprofit organization. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, my all-time favorite is the Sharing Foundation because my kids come from Cambodia and they support kids in Cambodia and we are still supporting them. I, every year we do it, but uh, we send a young woman to college um, so that we've made that commitment and we do have a relationship with that young woman writing back and forth. I recently though, I've been giving a lot of money to food banks just because of what's been happening during the um, pandemic. So the local food banks and also animal shelters because uh, pets need to eat too. <laughs> yeah. Those are all amazing. Thank you. Um, Allison, how about you? What's your favorite cause these days? Uh, so my favorite cause always is uh, women's self-determination and autonomy. Uh, if a woman doesn't control her own body, her own choices, she cannot control her own future. I am the immediate past chair of the National Board of NARAL, Pro-Choice America Foundation, the largest advocacy group for reproductive freedom. And uh, it is centered on so many of the values we've just been talking about, about being human-centered, about making sure that people always have uh, the tools and the power um, to make choices that keep us so deeply human and relational with one another. Uh, it is It can be discouraging to see how much effort is put into trying to disempower women, but I am hopeful and thankful for, for the work that NARAL does. Both great causes. Thank you. We'll make sure to put um, the information, the links and information in the in the show notes here so people can access those. Yeah. Thank you both so much for joining us today. This has been great. I would love to have a whole other conversation about this topic again, because there's so much to talk about here. 
Well, we'll do it in a year, Wendy, when the Smart Nonprofit comes out, okay? I think that I was going to ask you, can you say the name of the book again, The Smart Nonprofit, and we're looking at people should start looking for it in about a year? Yeah. All right. Can't wait. All right. Thank you. Wow. Well, uh, that was what I would call a legitimately interesting conversation. And I mean, obviously, these are folks who really understand the landscape of artificial intelligence and, and its impact on the sector. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me uh, was that it's not just for these large organizations with deep pockets and tons of resources. Uh, what, what did you think? Oh, yeah, they're amazing. I thought the most interesting part of the discussion was talking about the fact that as important as artificial intelligence uh, is now and is going to be in the future, it, what you're doing still has to remain human centered and human focused. And, you know, we have to still be part of the the equation and the decisions that are being made. Um, so I, I thought that was that was my key takeaway. How about you, Craig? Yeah, definitely, Wendy. I, I've been such a fan of their books. Uh, it was really nice to speak to them on this podcast. And I, I think what you said about the human-centered focus is really, really important. Uh, Beth and Allison both mentioned the potential dangers of uh, more automation and democratizing technology. And one of the things that comes to mind is, is privacy concerns. Uh, so keeping that focus on being human-centered, I think, is really, really important as AI becomes more prevalent. And if you haven't read their books yet, read their books and keep an eye out for their upcoming book next year on artificial intelligence. We're really excited about that one, too. Excellent. Excellent. Well, great job to everybody involved. Uh, if anybody in the audience wants to learn more about today's guests, check out both BethCantor.org and AllisonFine.com. Uh, and as always, if you'd like to learn a little more about Salsa and how we're helping clients engage and change the world with our smart engagement tools, visit us at SalsaLabs.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Tips with Salsa.